and welcome to episode 64 of Film Yak. I'm John. I'm Kevin. Jonathan. I'm JR. <laughs> and uh, we're all here to talk about JR's pick this week, Twixt, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And, uh, you know, just a movie that we're going to be talking about. So uh, that's going to be fun. And then we're going to talk about some trailers and other stuff we watched. And, you know, you guys know what happens on the show. Uh, JR, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. It's uh, Colorado Rockies uh, opening day, which means nothing to me because I don't like baseball, but that's uh, it's basically like a local holiday. Oh, nice. So I'm uh, get off sitting at my it? house in the middle of the day drinking a beer oh, wow. in, uh, you know, in honor of Hall Baltimore, right? who drank whiskey. But Do you have a sweet portable have, desk like him? <laughs> <laughs> like Probably the earliest version of Skype? Yeah. On his uh, MacBook, yeah, his white MacBook, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, how how are how is uh, Jonathan doing? This is uh, this is a rare treat for us. We get Jonathan <laughs> and Jr. on a podcast. <laughs> Kevin and I are always here, but yeah. you guys, you, every once in a while, you drop in. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan, does it feel like you still get more shit even though I haven't been here the past two episodes? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think it's unfair. so. <laughs> well, he's here. We can say it to his face. So, right. Well, uh, I guess let's just jump right into these trailers that we have to talk about. Um, so, first off, uh, Jim Jarmish uh, has a new film coming out called "The Dead Don't Die," and the hipsters are just creaming themselves this, about yeah, this thing. So many loads blown. Yeah, uh, <laughs> zombie film starring Bill Murray and Adam Driver and other people got everybody in this thing what uh what do you guys think of this uh this movie trailer i like the parts of the movie but i did not like the graphics that were in the trailer i thought that i thought those were just very retro yeah just cheesy and not good like a retro trailer from the 60s with the graphics yeah but not but like like the bargain basement retro trailer from the sixties, not yeah, like, like a B movie, like yeah. a zombie movie from the sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only not you know like the gritty version that would be in a Tarantino slash Grindhouse film. No. It just seems like a cash grab to me. I'm not into this at all. Cash um, grab? That's a. That's but has has Jarmusch ever done the cash grab? <laughs> yeah, I don't this know is about it. That. I don't this know is it. Cash grab. This is like designed for people to. I do agree with that love. though. It does seem. Uh, completely void of like anything that makes a Jarmusch film a Jarmusch film mm. but um I, except Bill Murray being in it yeah Jar I suspect you know trailer editing that you know is to blame for this trailer like there's probably a little bit more weight than than we see evidence of I hope so I yeah. really hope so and uh and right and, now yeah, I'm, I'm definitely giving the benefit of the doubt but yeah right now I'm not looking forward to having to watch it to be honest so it's just I don't I can't do the broad comedy stuff, man. Like just you know, go back to making your subtle, you know, uh, subversive, whatever. And when he's experimenting with genre, it's like when he's done that before, it's always been weighty. And this one just doesn't seem like that at all. And I feel like if you watch the trailer to like Ghost Dog, it doesn't play like a action movie or something, you know? Right. Maybe he's experimenting with broad comedy. Yeah, maybe. That's the genre. It's just not. And the, the, only, the other issue is that, like, I'm watching it and I'm just like, it'd be one thing if it were funny. It's just not that funny. 
well, hopefully they're not doing the usual trailer thing. Like when I went to, I'll get more into this later. But when I went to see Us, they were showing the trailer for Pet Cemetery, and it's like, like I've seen the original movie, and like they basically give you the entire thing in this trailer. I was like, why do I need to see the movie? Like, it already looks terrible, and now you've basically shown me the entire movie, so there's no reason for me to see this. So yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just. I'm hoping bummer. that that's not this, the case with this one. Well, uh, after that trailer dropped, uh, a couple of days later, we got our first look at uh, the much anticipated Joker movie. Directed by uh, the Hangover's own Todd Phillips, and uh, starring one Joaquin Phoenix in the lead role of the Joker. Uh, what you guys? And produced by Martin Scorsese, of course. Yeah, the name drop in there. What? Are, how are you guys feeling about this one? Doesn't doesn't look that bad. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely looks interesting. Um, I don't know. Like, that seems to be the consensus. Is that yeah, it looks better than they thought, right? Shut your fucking dogs up, Jr. <laughs> God damn it! Stop smiling, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> this isn't funny. <laughs> I think he muted his mic. Um, you he's, know, are you still there, Jr.? Okay. <laughs> you know the thing that the thing that I the, the the main thing that I take away from the Joker trailer is how good it could be if it weren't a Joker movie. Like it'd be amazing if it were about a guy who's you know like a mental case who becomes a criminal or something but that's that's almost what it seems like it's gonna be though i mean yeah but like okay except that he exists as the joker oh i know there is bruce wayne and arkham asylum and all this other retarded shit in there yeah but i mean i just wish it weren't a dc comic book movie i wish it were like an actual movie it, it looks legitimately like pretty pretty dark surprisingly yeah i mean like have the R rating? No, I doubt it. And I think I I, I want to yeah. say I read that um, DC said they would never release an R rated movie. Also, oh, come on. Also, uh, oh yeah, on IMDb it's it's I, well it was a few days ago on IMDb listed as an action movie. It's an action adventure. Action adventure. Yeah. So I, I don't know, know how much that means. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I'm just like I'm very like tentative about it. I mean, well, yeah, it's a it's a comic book movie. But yeah, I mean, that's equals equals absolute shit in, in in my experience. I mean, in every case, yes. But yeah, this looks this looks decent. Yeah. I, this looks like it might be decent. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it might be. I mean, even as it could be amazing. It's still a DC comic book movie. That's my point. It's like, yeah, it could be great. It could have all these great things in it. It's like, before, but then it still suffers because yeah. it's a fucking it's stupid like comic book right movie. Right before it Logan, me like Logan came out, I was like kind of excited. Like this could be good. This could be the good comic book movie. Oh, now it's listed as but crime crime drama thriller. Uh, I just hope they're not like you know. I, I I hope they never watched or looked at anything related to the Dark Knight while they were making this movie. You know, because you know, like, like, watch Heat, watch a De Palma movie, watch a Scorsese movie, like, watch actual crime movies, but mm-hmm. not, not The Dark Knight, because that. Well, movie I think is, it's. Uh, they've been saying it's more. Uh, 
it's like influenced by King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Down down to um, De Niro being the Jerry Lewis role in the film. Right. Being a talk show host. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, that's, that sounds great, but is that going to translate to this movie? It seems Inspired very Travis driver. Bickle-esque. I mean, he's yeah. like a psychotic you know, yeah. loner who but becomes violent. But how far violent. is it going to go? Like, not very far because it's going to be rated PG-13 <laughs> and it's directed by Todd Phillips. So um, is this just a remake of The King of Comedy with the Joker? Probably. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. Cool. As long as we get Joaquin Phoenix, you know, like, we're going to have fun. Good, old-fashioned, American fun. Well, what's going on with JR's feed here? Uh, Does that mean he's not here anymore? No, I was oh, yeah, trying go. to restart the video. Oh, there okay. he is. Oh, great. Now we can see him moving. Yeah. He's got goes. a beer. He's drinking. He's sauced <laughs> while we're recording. Um, yeah, I really wanted to try this out. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Too Old to Die Young. This is the new television show from Nicholas Winding Refn. It's going to be on Amazon Prime in June. Uh, and I said it in my in my post about it. My most anticipated anything all year. Long live Refn. Uh, <laughs> it's, it looks uh, insane. Yeah, it looks really, just really entertaining, and uh, yeah. looks like you know only God forgives spread out over ten episodes. So I'm in. Totally, I'm very much into this. I love the line too, where he says, "I want the worst guys you got." Like that, just great lines from this guy. Where does this guy come <laughs> with this shit? It's yeah, so, so good. Ugh, <laughs> he's just he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> Jr. Thoughts. I, I don't know. I'm worried that I have like a medium patience for Refn and you know, doing eight episodes of that might be a little much, but isn't it 10? It's 10 episodes. I've, great. Even, <laughs> <laughs> even more. I'm, I'm so, I wish it was 25 episodes, <laughs> 10 seasons. I could yeah. watch a I could watch a, the Satan tango version of, of a Refn <laughs> film. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love Refn now Refn now. Not Valhalla Rising Refn. That was awful. Where he's like a you know right. grad school regret yeah, watching film yeah. student. <laughs> there was there was a shot in that trailer that actually reminded me of Bronson. And I, <clears throat> don't say it ain't so. <laughs> Bronson was okay. That's nah, even too old. I don't know. I'm I'm scared to Bronson's revisit Bronson. It's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Yeah, Bronson is actually like it's better than Valhalla Rising. It's it's closer yes. to where what he's doing now. Well. uh... You know, here's hoping it's just a absolutely insanely violent uh, thrill ride with Miles Teller in the center. Uh, let's talk about like the Domino the- trailer, Jr. This is the first film from De Palma in many years. Uh, De Palma just back in the driver's seat, uh, you know, casting this absolute nobody, Nicola Coster Wadlow or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Was he on Lost or something? No, you're the only person that hasn't seen Game of Thrones. Everyone yeah. knows who that is. This guy blows. He was in uh, Mission Impossible uh, <laughs> Ghost Protocol, I think, for like four seconds. Um, but I, I am, I'm excited about Guy Pierce being in it, although he's pretty much like low rent these days. I've seen a lot of shit that he's been in recently that's like, uh, you know, million and a half dollar budgets, mm. that kind of shit. So, I, heard a, I heard a trace of bad accent. Yeah, Ooh. it's yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm terrified of this movie. I, I want it to be good because I want De Palma to just come back with a vengeance. But this doesn't seem like the thing that's going to bring him back. You know, it just seems like a kind of run of the mill by the numbers kind of. Mm. Also, just kind of seems thing. set up for failure. I mean, you there's already a 
a, a movie called Domino that's in the film canon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's shit. You don't need Ridley Scott's or <laughs> Tony, Tony Scott's. Scott's Tony Scott, yeah. Didn't we see that in the theater? Yeah. Or yeah. It's a trash I'm sure fire. you loved it. It's horrible. Kira Knightley's bony ass trying to be sexy. Yes. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know. You know, I, I hope, like I say, I just I hope it's not a total train wreck. You know, I'd be mm. happy if it just, you know. I mean, that's, and, and then the other big news this week, of course, we didn't post about this, but uh, Coppola, our, our oh, yeah, director yeah. of Note Today, uh, directing his, his passion project, Megalopolis, coming in 2020. So we'll see. You know, I didn't I read anything about that. Is that a remake of the anime? I don't think so. It's a um, okay. It's uh, it's Good. about an architect who wants to rebuild New York City after some kind of natural disaster. Mm. Okay, so not interesting. Not the '80s anime. Good. He apparently was like really close to making it, and then September 11th happened, and he wasn't Ooh. able to get oh, it off well. the ground after that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, well, that's. Uh, Jonathan's thoughts on John Cho being cast as Spike in the Netflix Cowboy Bebop reboot? <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> what? You'll watch every episode of it. I will. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so bad. You'll probably binge the entire act, the it's anime be show. Before you it's going to be terrible. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm hoping we're, we're about to see John Cho in a light that we've never seen him before. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I, I would welcome that. But no. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to work. Remember when he was the guy in uh, How I Met Your Mother? who had Kobe lobster, which was lobster <laughs> fed exclusively on Kobe beef. It <laughs> <laughs> was classic. Um, or legendary. Mm. You'll forgive the good, good reference. One. Sorry. Um, okay. Let's get into what we watched. Uh, you know, JR hasn't been here in about a year and a half, so mm. he's probably got some stuff built up. He's waiting to evacuate. Go ahead, bud. <laughs> I do. I, uh, yeah. Thanks for putting it so beautifully thank you um i'm a poet actually i ditched man i had all these things and i was like you know i watched that spider-man movie like a month ago now i don't really feel like talking about it that's fine but uh yeah <laughs> i figured you'd be okay with that <laughs> um but yeah i wanted to um i just wanted to add to some of you guys' uh comments about uh about the donkey movie yeah mm. um yeah. Say the name of that the movie. is the title, the donkey movie. Oh, oh Hazard Balthazar. I, hey, I mean, that's my guess. I yeah. don't speak French. I don't pretend to speak French. Balthazar, I don't know how to say yeah, but to be a cinephile, you must pretend to speak French. Yeah, Brisson. <laughs> is that <laughs> Brisson? Brisson. Oui. Robert Brisson. Robert Brisson. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so we're, I'm going to call him Bresson from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sergio. Uh, so I, I also don't love this movie but i I think i i maybe appreciated it a little bit more than you guys um i definitely i i feel like i was judging it on what i interpreted as like uh bresson's intentions you know it's like i think you want to do like a a narrative of of innocence basically like set against the cruel world and uh, he shows that with both the donkey and the girl but doing that kind of dual thing just doesn't really work because he loses the donkey for large portions of the movie and he loses the girl for large portions of the movie. And mm-hmm. so it just it doesn't have like the cumulative effect that I think it, it should. And uh, this is my th- I think it was my third time seeing it when I watched it for the episode I didn't show up for. And um, <laughs> I definitely like misremember. I, I definitely thought it was much more about the donkey 
And I thought it was like he moved from place to place more than he does. He doesn't go anywhere. The donkey pretty much stays in the same like three blocks the whole movie. Um, but I definitely uh, definitely liked it. I definitely it it's a lot like some other uh, Bresson movies that I think are better. Um, like I think he does the the whole innocence thing with Mouchette, which came out I think the next year about like a poor girl uh, kind of fending for herself and the world is cruel to her. And then he also did it in like the early fifties with diary, diary of a country priest, which is really good about like this, uh, this priest who comes to a small French town and the town fucking hates him, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Uh, But you know, he's got to like keep his faith while everyone's being shitty to him. Uh, Those are better. So if, uh, if you saw anything at all that you liked in, in Brisson, then uh, go watch those because those are good. I uh, posted about this film when I when I posted the the episode on all the different um, various pages that I post on on Facebook, and uh, I said uh, something to the effect of like new wave classic or pretentious mm. masters like that, and almost everybody on I think it was on Facebook film forum said this is not new wave. Bresson is not new wave. Okay, uh, that was my uh, that was my next point that yeah, I was about to get to. Please. Okay. So again, I just said, you know, he made a classic in uh in 51 or in the early 50s, Diary yeah. of a Country Priest. He was making movies in the early 40s. Just like kind of by definition, the French New Wave applies to those people that started making movies in the very late 50s and early 60s. Yeah, um, but he's still can I mean, I it just seems like he still would be considered part of it no matter what. I mean, his like, well, I think he influenced the new wave more than he's a part of it. Just like, uh, I think Jean-Pierre Melville was an influencer of new wave directors because he was also doing his big, uh, a lot of his big work in the fifties. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, uh, the way that Brisson films, like he has really, um, my dog is whining. My dog's been whining at my feet for 25 minutes. <laughs> um, he has, he's a really weird shot choice. He has really weird editing. He doesn't use like he's anti exposition. He, um, he does weird things with his actors. He, like he, he doesn't want actors to emote anything. He wants them to be blank slates so that the audience can decide what to feel that so that he's not telling them what to feel. And I feel like all that stuff is, uh, all that stuff gets kind of taken out by new wave uh, directors, different directors. They're all kind of just like pulling shit um, from him and in other people, they're pulling things from everywhere. Uh, so I think like this comes out in 1966. That's, that's new wave time. And it kind of looks like a new wave movie, but it also looks a lot like pickpocket six years earlier. It also looks a lot like Diary of country priest uh, 16 years earlier so I, I wouldn't call it new wave. And I also, uh, my point about the new wave that I wanted to make to you guys, I just, and I, I realized this as I was listening to the episode and I, I just, I think we think about it in like a, in the wrong way. And I think I've thought about it in the wrong way for a long time. It's like every new wave director is so different. Like when we think of new wave, we're usually just talking about early Godard and early Truffaut. And just because, you know, they were such big, uh, you know, characters in the new wave. But we, we ignore 
like Elaine uh, Elaine Resnass's uh, innovation <laughs> of the jump cut. Like we don't talk about uh, like Agnes Varda who just died this past week. Mm. All like the like the docu fiction style that she was doing in the mid fifties. We ignore uh, like Jacques Rivette who was making like three hour epics kind of about the, the intersection of film novels and uh, stage. Like they're not using like the heavy jump cuts that Godard was famous for in Breathless and, and Truffaut's not either. Um, like we don't think about like, uh, like Jacques Demy was like making almost like classic looking musicals, but with like, you know, explicit and real life subject matter which kind of differentiated from Hollywood, like in Eric Romer, who was making like sexually minded domestic dramedies, who probably has like the biggest influence on modern French film out of any of them. Because whenever we think of like a, whenever we think of like a, a, like a turn up your nose French movie, we're usually just thinking of, of Romer with their uh, fancy French people. So I just like to 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 lump everyone in New Wave together just doesn't feel right to me, and and I liked uh, you know I've heard you make this comment before, Jonathan, but you said last time that like the best New Wave movie is uh, is Persona, which <laughs> is a joke. I know it's a joke, but like, <laughs> yeah, and I definitely I definitely think that he was absolutely influenced by the uh, by the French and their way of cutting, and but he was he was different too because he took like a. He took the cutting that Godard used and and like made it super abstract and religious and weird and that fit into Bergman movies. Whereas Godard at that point was mostly just doing. Uh, he was all about like juxtaposition and uh, hating like. Uh, I just lost my word, man. This half beer is getting to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like like product placement, basically. He was like lampooning product placement with his cutting so yeah. often in his early movies. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I just, uh, I just realized while listening last time that I, I, I just don't think we should lump, uh, all the new way people together cause they were also different. Well, you know, John, thanks for keeping us honest, man. <laughs> God bless you. And yeah, and I guess feel free to cut out that rant for the, uh, for the podcast. No, no fucking way. What do you, what do you give it out of five? Did you put your rating? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like a 3.75. Okay. I, and I do. I don't have a problem watching it. It's like it was like ninety minutes. Yeah, it's uh, short. But mm. if if I'm gonna go back to a to a Bresson movie, it's not gonna be that one. I'm with you there. Uh, okay, uh, Kevin. Let's see. So I watched Us, the new Jordan Peele movie, and ooh, yeah. So Jr., I think you watched it as well. Yeah. So it's about. This lady and her family, and may I interrupt? Go ahead. Because it's not should we should we set some ground rules? How much how much do we want to talk about this movie? Um, I'm I'm only gonna give like if you guys want to say, I don't know how Jonathan feels about. I know his history with Get Out was that he didn't give a fuck and he read all about it. Uh, (laughs) I've listened. Jonathan, have you already read about this? I, uh, yeah, yeah. I read a spoiler. I've listened to a spoiler <laughs> I, discussion I about it, it so right. I know everything that happens. I watched but, the like right. the wisecrack video on this, like explaining. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's actually a really feel good video. Free. To check if, it you, out. if you guys want to warn about spoilers, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll get too deep into spoilers. Like, 
like about how I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, more excited to see it now that I know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like on the even, same level. Go yeah, <laughs> even though like I I didn't think this movie was as good as Get Out. Like I thought, like it's got a lot of strong things that are going for it, but I think it doesn't fire on all cylinders and. I don't like it's it's definitely way it's way more of a slasher movie. Um that being said, there's still a lot of things that you can read into it because not a lot of it is explained. So you could easily take different things from it on different viewings, which I think is good. But I gave it a 4 just because when I wa- when I walked out of the movie theater, I was like, "Okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Not a 5, but still pretty good." And it, one of the things I like actively did not like about the movie was the same thing that I didn't like about the end of Hereditary. All of all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've got this '60s folk song at the end, and it's like it totally it was like to me did not fit at all. Yeah, what song was that? That was good. Hereditary rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like her. I like Hereditary. I mean, but um, I mean, for me, like the last thirty minutes or so, kind of are drawn out, and then playing both sides now by Joan Baez at the end. I was like, what, "That's what, what it is. Was. What is going on?" Here? That totally took me out of it because, like, I was you know, demons are real, and this cult is worshiping this kid, and he's going to turn out to be fucking Satan. Joan Baez, and then Joan Baez. Hereditary <laughs> <laughs> like, spoilers. It was a Judy Collins uh, version of it. Oh, well, it's okay though. Whatever. Uh, really, really, really killer. The, the movie rules. Uh, every every second of it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So us had a folk song at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it like a similar sounding '60s type. You know, California Dreaming. No, I don't. I don't even know what it was. But like, I was. I I was hoping they were gonna reprise. I got five on it again for a third time. I got five on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How about you, Jr.? What'd you think? Um, man, I I had a blast in the theater. I really uh, I really enjoyed watching it, uh, and it was the kind of movie that um, you know I, I I was thinking about for like the whole day after I saw it. And part of that is because I was like thinking about how there are problems that I that I could gloss over while I was watching it, just just because it's fun and it's kind of just viscerally powerful. Mm. I, I, I thought at least, um, I think Lupita Nyong'o is fantastic. Yeah. In this movie. Like I, I have no complaints about her acting. I don't have a lot of complaints about anyone's acting. And, uh, I think Tim Heidegger was really funny. Yeah. The only weird thing I thought about the acting was like the way Winston Duke, the husband, like his like regular you know real person persona was like just so he just as a character seems so goofy and disconnected from everything and i was like yeah. is this just him just not being a great actor cuz this is like his third movie or but then like you see like his shadow self you know being the exact polar opposite of that so like maybe that was a deliberate choice but it was one of those things that I questioned while I was watching it. I did. I did read it as intentional. Mm. It, I think, I don't know why Jordan Bill chose this, but it does seem like a, 
from the very beginning, Winston Duke's character is in a comedy and everyone yeah. else is not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I laughed, so I was okay with it. Yeah. And like, I, I thought he was funny. Yeah. And, like, I got a real kick out of the way his shadow self died with the, uh, the trolling motor. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. We already said it, we were going to do spoilers, it, yeah, I know, so... I know. <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much. Well, they don't know how I, with the troller mo- trolling yeah, I motor, and so... I, I, I know our, our two other co-hosts have read about it, and everyone else can go read about it, but it's still it's still fun to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely and, go and see and it. Everyone it's worth should it. See it. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't necessarily I, recommend seeing it in Dolby, because the, you know, sa- the sound and soundtrack aren't quite requiring that but you know it was it just happened to be playing in dolby and i figured well less people will go to see it so less people in the theater yeah because i have a i don't like seeing horror movies with a lot of people in the theater because that nearly ruined hereditary for me so Uh, is it is us still showing in uh like special theaters there like, like no, it's, it's all over the place. Oh, I see. You said special theaters. I was like, what do you mean? Like a well, no, I mean like, theater? Like real, like, you know, the Cinemark, like real D. And yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. That kind of crap. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw, it, I saw it last weekend in the Dolby Theater, so. What'd you, uh, scores out of five or? Four. I gave it a, I gave it a four with a little orange heart, too. Ooh. Mm. Damn. Rare like from VR. This is a lot of fun. The heart. Mm. Um. Okay, Jonathan, do you want to? I now I didn't log it, but I watched more than half of Triple Frontier. I have a forty minutes left. I'm right after they, their helicopter crashed. Uh. uh spoilers. Oh, really? Yeah. It, okay. Do you so, want to talk a little bit? Well, uh, how far did you go? The <laughs> like helicopter the, the crashed. Exact the moment you stopped. When the helicopter crashed. So it's crashed. It just crashed. And like the guy <laughs> ran around to the cockpit and is like breaking the window to get the guy Dude, out. You couldn't so, watch like 15 more minutes? No, I couldn't if I had to pick up my daughter. Oh, damn. I'm a parent. And, and you're probably sick of I don't really want to talk about this until you finish oh, it. Jesus fucking Christ. the most hilarious shit is, is on like. Okay, well, I'll just <laughs> say, let me just say that. That's a weird adjective for that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, let me just say what the one thing that I really have noticed that I don't like about it, which is the, and it's a directing choice. I think it could also be in the script like this. I think the script is problematic, but I think that, uh, during the scene when they arrive at the compound the first time to scope it out, Mm. the amount of exposition that they put them just talking to each other while they're still like, Hey, well, how'd you figure out about this thing? Oh, I have this guy. Oh, what's going on back at home? Uh, and they're just like talking casually while they're like watching this cartel drug lord's house. It just seemed really lame. I was like, this is so the opposite of Sicario. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Sicario is so real and this is and, just and, not and real the at same all. Th- the same time I'm like, okay, like they're, they're scoping this place out. I'm like the, the cops can't find this place. Like, yeah, <laughs> I what? And it didn't show. Uh, that's another thing. Well, like they, it's just like it, it literally cuts from them, like <laughs> them talking about like we're gonna do this thing. Yeah, and it cuts the next the next shot. There's they've surrounded the place and they're just scoping it out. It's like how did they get there? Like what? How did like I would love to see how they got to how, why why do they know where this is? 
There's nothing makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> nothing makes sense. I mean, it's just. In, oh, and, and and Ben Affleck's turn where you know at first he's reluctant, and then it's like four seconds later he's like, "We gotta stay and get more money." <laughs> just finish it, Ben Affleck. Oh man. Well, so I listened to a um, I listened to the Directors Guild of America podcast, Directors Cut with J.C. Chandor uh, being interviewed by Tony Gilroy, and he talks. Finish the movie before you listen to this. No, and uh, he talked about. Uh, he talked about uh, what happens to Ben Affleck in oh, the pod. Yeah. So you know? Oh, I just know he gets killed. I don't oh. know. I don't know how or anything like that. Okay, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that some that one of his crew kills him. Sure. Don't. don't whatever. Don't, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's the best part of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Okay. You want to jump into something else then? If you don't want to talk about Triple Frontier? Uh, I think the heist was good. Oh, you watched it? In there. I didn't know you watched yeah. it. Sorry, bud. I didn't like it, but I think the heist is good. I uh well, well I'll just I'll just time. say uh I was not impressed by the heist at all. Sorry. I like the I, I like the you idea I'll I, fly down there and we'll fight about it. Okay. I love the idea that the money <laughs> that where the money was and how they like never they the money never stopped uh appearing. Yeah. I liked all that. And they get greedy. I kind of like that. I like the, the idea of it. I just I don't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was What I like uh when they go over time yeah, and uh, some people come back, and they like through the comms start counting off, yeah, like how many good. people they've killed. I would have liked. I see, that okay, that's that's an example of what I'm talking about, though. With with Mark Bull, the guy who wrote it, uh, wrote Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, and this mm-hmm. is the kind of thing I'm talking about. The issue that I have with it is, I would have loved it if they had started counting the kills like that and just done it. I don't need Ben Affleck to yell at them before they go out. Count your kills. Or call out your kills or whatever. It's just like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, the audience isn't going to know what's happening. So we need Ben Affleck to tell them to do it so that they understand this is why they're doing it. It's just so fucking lame and lazy. It's a Netflix movie. I just yeah. rather... You're right. Yeah. I would just rather, like, <laughs> you just leave that up to me. Like, I, 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 I'm not dumb. Like, I can understand military yeah. shit yeah. that's happening. We would have got it after, after two. Exactly. After two, right. we would have understood. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it happens a lot. And there's, I, I think there's a lack of tension in that scene for me. Because the thing that they're worried about is the family coming back. It would be more intense if the thing they were worried about is like there's a fucking like a whole group of guys coming back mm. that they're that they're not going to be able to deal with, you know. But it's not. There's like three guys that come back with the family. It's just like <laughs> I'll be honest. It's like what is where is the tension? Like they could have like killed the the three or four guys. They could have stayed there for another hour and a half bagging up money. He couldn't you know? afford like more guys. <laughs> who oh the the lord yeah yeah i don't know probably yeah, he had a lot of money yeah, uh, yeah. quite a bit you <laughs> see the, the, the room that he was in that they killed him in yeah it's stacked to the fucking roof in the room i like that part actually that was pretty cool but uh but i, I don't know are we I, going on a trip jr <laughs> he's giving us the myspace angles yeah having having maybe some wi-fi issues okay oh. well I'm um trying to search jonathan you want to jump into something else or no yeah uh watched uh Watched Logan's run for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, this was enjoyable. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I thought this was gonna be Dude. a complete pile of shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like yeah. it's like <laughs> I don't want to say it's good, but it's not good. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> it's I get, been a long. Time I mean, I gave it a I've three, <laughs> so I guess it's good. But uh, right. I, I I enjoyed it. I cool. mean, the, the, some of the effects are like horrible and cheesy, but I mean, well, hmm. the acting is. You know, it's not Michael that York. good. But, uh, Peter Ustinov. He, none, none of them are good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Very, very very small part for Ustinov. Right. 
I, I don't know though. It was, it was enjoyable. Like the pacing and the, the, the way the story just kind of unfolds. It's, it's really good. Better or worse than Soylent Green? I've never seen that. Me neither. I, I think it's better. <laughs> when, you, when you log it, the first thing I thought was, oh, yeah, that's Soylent Green. I was like, oh, wait, no, it's Logos. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like Charlton Heston's in this, right? No, wait. Oh, never mind. It's a different yeah. movie. Uh, <laughs> there, yeah. there, this is actually uh, this is one of the movies I threw out, decided not to talk about today. Oh. I, I watched it pretty recently. Oh. Like, last month. What did you think about it, Jarrah? He said he doesn't want to talk I, I about mean, it. Very, You're, You're going to talk about it. I thought it was, uh, You're gonna talk I thought about it. was really fun. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's... Uh, it's a blast. It's not bad. <laughs> I just heard so many and people it's, talk it's, shit it's about this movie. Say, just, uh, don't they parody it on a family guy? Yeah, it's like parody yeah. constantly, and like yeah, yeah. people talk shit about it. And I've seen scenes, and I'm like, that looks like total shit. But, I mean, watching the whole thing, like it was, mm. it was enjoyable. It's, cool. it's almost hard for me to explain why I liked it, because when I think about it, I'm like, well, the dystopia elements don't make a lot of sense. Like, uh, everyone dies when they're 30. Yeah, I like how so, they don't, like, it, it's like, it, yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No. But it's just like, it's just like, okay. Wasn't you that just population to, control? I guess. They never explain it, though. They're well, just like, I mean, these are the rules of the movie. You assume it's population it's control. It's like, these right. are the rules of the movie. You have to accept the rules, and you're like, okay, I accept. And you just <laughs> you just see what happens. Like It's, it's, That's it's like, um, pretty fucking like, entertaining. Like uh, THX 1138. <laughs> yeah. George Lucas says, uh, you know, there's just, like, things that, that his characters do in the movie that don't make any sense, but it's like, it's like watching an alien culture. It's you don't understand what exactly, they're doing, but yeah. they're just doing it, right? And they don't have to explain it because they w- you wouldn't get that explained normally. You know, they would they wouldn't talk about what they're doing with each other because it's just innate with them. So, like, there's a there's this. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jay. I keep interrupting. Well, I was just gonna make fun of George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> he's a he's a lazy writer, and that's a good excuse for being a lazy writer. Uh, but, I mean, but you could it, have you seen TX Eleven Thirty Eight, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, in that film, I mean, I think I, I like that idea. I like like there. I mean, specifically, he's talking about there's like a, they have like these red cubes that they have to put into the wall every so often. Yeah. And it's just like they don't talk about it or explain it at all. And I think that's you know, like I could see that. That's their the future in that film is so completely yeah. bizarre and alien to what we know that you know i'm sure there would be all kinds of shit. It's like it's like if you showed you know if you showed like my daily life to someone who's you know from 300 years ago they'd be very confused right you know like so yeah but anyway yeah all right well uh i watched uh leaving neverland the four-hour documentary about michael jackson touching children inappropriately uh on hbo four hours yeah it's two parts but uh Mm. but watched them back to back or no i watched one one day and the one the next the next morning and uh it's uh as far as a documentary goes it's very well made and uh uh well done and it tells the stories very very uh explicitly which is disturbing the mm. two gentlemen who are uh, claiming that Michael Jackson abused them they they get really into how, what the abuse is and what it looks like and <clears throat> what it felt like and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's mm. pretty, it's pretty fucked up. But, and if you're inclined to believe them, then, you know, Michael Jackson is a, uh, an absolute monster. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess a lot of people don't believe them. It's a very divisive, uh, issue, but, uh, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. They're very sincere in the movie. It's, it comes off as very genuine. Um, hmm. And the things that like, this doesn't seem like something you'd like, I can see the, 
you know, the whole, I don't know if, I don't know where you, who, who you'd even pin this on, but like the people who blame the victims a lot of the times in these situations yeah. are the people who say, you know, oh, you're just doing that because you want money. I, it just seems like a really fucked up way to get money. Like, I'm going to make up this elaborate, uh, you know, insanely disturbing, disgusting behavior that was done to me. I mean, it potentially humiliate myself. And it's also, it's just like corroborated by like their parents, like their mothers, uh, let them sleep in the same room as him. And like, they, like they acknowledge that that happened. So it's like, if that happened, I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, accept that it went too far, but, um, yeah, pretty fucked up, but, uh, you know, a really good, look at the documentary uh, really really interesting to just see like michael jack like pictures of michael jackson in like normal places like he went and visited them and so like spend the night at their houses sometimes mm. and they have like pictures of them like hanging out in the living room and stuff it's just right. really bizarre because he's in like his whole you know get up with the hats and the gloves and everything and he's like sitting on the couch with him watching movies really strange stuff that is disturbing yeah yeah gonna have to watch this <laughs> yeah it's it's good i mean i, I you know I, I hesitate to say like it's good because it's so like a, such a fucked up thing but it's I like, mean, four hours it's though, entertaining that, that's though. extreme I don't, I mean, it's, I don't know. it's entertaining in, in as much as you you get a glimpse into like the the world of michael jackson uh at the height of his popularity when he was just like all powerful and had, i mean like, is all it like in the world is it right? like i mean not to spoil it is he like raping the the, the children or is it like because well, like I've, mean, I've heard people like try to like define rape he's he's sexually abusing them yeah okay is he penetrating yeah. them is that what you're asking i mean not to get like gross or anything but like because i've heard people defend him like oh he's like weird like it's like like barbara streisand yeah where she was like uh yeah, she was like the kids are fine now they're married with children who gives a fuck with that? <laughs> so i've heard so many people She's try to defend nightmare. him still and it's like yeah uh, it's, i think they're trying to defend him because they love his music and his image so it's much just but, strange uh, yeah I mean, like, do they get into like his his own like abuse story they don't they don't like, there's nothing personal about him they don't interview anybody except for the victims and their families okay so it's that, so it is one-sided in that way and there's a lot of controversy about that too but i mean Uh, i don't know that's not what the movie the movie's not about what if this happened the movie's about this happened right you know so it's like it's not trying to present it in any kind of like a mysterious way it's just like here are these kids they looked up to they worshiped michael jackson they modeled their lives around him. and the adult men are like literally like saying what happened and the adult men are are discussing it and saying this is the first time it happened to me and then Jeez. we did this and then every time I saw him after that it happened like this and and then one time he tried to anally penetrate me and I had blood in my underwear the next day and all this kind of stuff this is really fucked up shit so I mean <laughs> good gracious yeah I didn't so know it was that like watch it at your crazy. own at your own uh, yeah, peril good. I guess but I mean I, you know that kind of, I can't I can't be shocked so I don't <laughs> I'm so desensitized man that but, sounds really but it rough. is fucked though it is fucked. It's not like they don't show anything, so you know, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I didn't know it was like the actual like victims, like yeah, it's talking. the two victims. They're adults now. One of them is like a, a very uh, prominent uh, choreographer, and he was a dancer. That's how he met Michael Jackson was yeah. because he won a contest impersonating him when he was like five, Ooh. and he met him, and they became you know friends because everybody's like Michael Jackson's like a ten year old boy, so that's why they are all comfortable with him hanging out with their kids, right. But uh, he was like five when he met him and they would just hung out constantly and he would fly like he would fly them to Los Angeles and they'd stay at Neverland and all that kind of stuff. And then um, he just he kept dancing. like He was actually really into dancing and he became a choreographer uh, 
and even after like years after he stopped talking to Michael Jackson, he was very successful. Like he was choreographing like NSYNC's music videos and shit like that, and working wow. for Britney Spears and other stuff. So I mean, you know, but, but he just wants money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. It's like it just comes off as completely genuine because yeah, like what would he? I mean, yeah, he's he was suing their estate for money after he died. But it's like he doesn't need money, so it's just clearly like it's not about the money. I don't know, right? I don't know. Fuck people who don't believe shit. I don't. It's just uh, it's infuriating. You know, fuck. Who cares a fuck about Michael Jackson? I mean, the guy's been dead for years. Like, get yeah. over it. And it's like, and these other people. After this came out, uh, the amount of articles I read was just like, no question about it. You cannot listen to Michael Jackson anymore. It's just like do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you want to listen to Michael Jackson? Feel free. Who cares? The man isn't raping kids still. You're not contributing to him abusing children now. He's dead. That's if true. you want to listen to Thriller, throw it on and have a good time. Yeah, but now you got. I don't know. It's just, that's weird. If if it's weird for you, no, don't I will not don't, be listening. Exactly. <laughs> if just, it's weird for you, don't listen to it. Just, right. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. it's not, feel free. Yeah. Like you shouldn't judge people based on who the fuck they listen to and what they watch. It's just absurd. Like people get pissed off that you watch a Polanski film. I'm sorry, Polanski makes a good movie. I should deprive myself because he raped a girl 40 years ago. I don't condone that. I want to watch The Pianist from times to time. You know, times anyway, to time, times <laughs> to time. Sorry, I gave it a four overall. Right, very solid. Jr. What'd you give The Pianist? I have not uh, rewatched it since I've had Letterbox, but I've seen it three or four times, and I like it a lot. I like yeah. it a lot. Mm. I liked liked it a lot in I think I saw it like three times the year it came out or yeah. the year after it came out maybe. But Yeah, it's like that's pretty much where I'm at too. I like watched yeah. it a lot in quick succession and then just haven't got her back around to it in a mm. while. Anyway. Alright. I watched um I watched uh, Galveston, which is the uh yeah. Ben Foster um L. Fanning crime drama that came out last year, directed by Melanie Laurent, Laurent. who is the uh, yeah, who is the French actress, probably most famous for uh, Inglorious Bastards. Being in yeah, thank you. You're welcome. And based on the novel by Nick Pizzolatto, yeah, the creator yeah. of True Detective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was that was going to be the last thing I said. There is a there is something in it that made it made me recognize it as a uh, Pizzolatto. Uh, thing uh, probably for for worse oh definitely yeah. not for better uh this is a good movie it's a uh, ben foster is a new orleans kind of hitman uh who's betrayed by his boss he's in like a, a job that goes wrong and he he in that job he saves a young hooker played by dakota Fan- no l fanning sorry just so many fannings mm. uh, together they go to galveston picking up uh fanning's like baby sister on the way and in Galveston, they kind of just both have their like separate battles with personal demons and try to figure out uh, what to do next. And uh, there's also a hurricane involved. Of course. Uh, Yeah. It's always, always a storm. Good double bill with hurricane heist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I was going to say with take shelter. less funny but also also dark so yeah this movie is a super dark it's sometimes like it's just hard to watch the things that happened happened to l l fanning like what she goes through just like sucks 
it is uh it's pretty miserable mm. um both foster and fanning kind of go uh go way too hard with uh the southern accents <laughs> that's but, foster's uh, thing can, though now yeah i know it's like every he's movie been, he does he does that yeah he's been he's been so much better with accents um and i i, I kind of blame uh the director for that one just and, and she doesn't know fair. she doesn't know yeah, what an like, accent sounds like she's, she's, she's foreign she doesn't yeah. fucking know she's right, just like exactly. go yeah. do southern that's not fair do but southern. that's what i was thinking she doesn't you know she doesn't know what's going on yeah. <laughs> uh the the movie looks fucking great though and uh mm. it, it it does a lot in a very short runtime which i'm always happy to see and uh and if you can get past the accents foster and fanning are both really good I read the They're, book that this was based on, and I was surprised when I saw that Ben Foster was going to be in it. I just didn't picture him as being that guy. Elle Fanning, sure. Just Ben Foster, I don't know. I didn't see him as being that character. That's the problem with reading a book before you watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then, I mean, and yeah, there's there's almost always a consequence for reading a book. That's what you should learn. Um, <laughs> Stay far just away. Don't, don't read if you can avoid it. Watch movies. Um, Amen. But it's clear at the end that this is definitely uh, this is definitely a work by the guy that wrote True Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like what happens is stupid or horrible, but it's maybe just unnecessary. And uh, otherwise, it's really good. I gave it a four out of five. I really liked it. One cool. of the uh, one of the better films of, of last year. Nice. I watched the uh, a clip of Colin Farrell from True Detective season two when he uh, confronts the the kid who bullied his son. You remember this? <laughs> wow! They destroy his shoes, and they, yeah, and he's and talking then... to the son, and he's like, he's like, he's like, what'd they do to your shoes, kid? And he's like, he's like, they just they they did something. What did they do? Shit in them. <laughs> He just goes right to each day. Did they shit in them? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he like, takes the brass was... knuckles to the kid's house and beats up the dad. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, is... in the front lawn yeah. for everyone to see. And... Classic. Colin Farrell's yeah. out of his mind in that one. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> uh, anyway. This is a season of television that HBO wanted you to take seriously. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. Want, they wanted more Emmys for this one. But <laughs> boy, were they off their rocker. Yeah, they were. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Okay, so I've been watching a couple of Coen Brothers movies. Rewatched Miller's Crossing, which is good. Rest in peace, Albert Feeney, because he was fucking great in this movie. Um, I watched. I rewatched the Tommy Gun scene like four times. Yeah, yeah <laughs> when he died. <laughs> yeah, because like, yeah, you know, just laying in bed, seeing smoke right rise out of your just great. Out of your, yeah, that's and, good stuff. Like that's good. Yeah, like that's hard solid core direction. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, it's so good. No talking. Mm. You just, just see you, visual just Danny language. Boy playing in the background. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that and uh, the Big Lebowski classic, five out of five. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I enjoyed that movie so much. And it looks fucking beautiful. It's like, I've, I've forgotten how, how really great it looks. Yeah, they did, like, like, a weird, don't they, like, uh, like, process the film in some way? I guess um, there's definitely some CGI that's like obvious CGI, but it's not bad because it's only used sparingly. But uh, yeah, Clooney's great. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson is on fire, and John Turturro is really good. Everybody's really good in this movie. 
Um, yeah, so another, oh, yeah, another five out of five. Deacon shot that. Yeah. Yeah. And hmm. uh, just just rewatched uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. It's okay. Like This was my favorite for a long time, and I haven't watched oh, yeah. it. In, I haven't rewatched it in probably 10 years, but yeah. I, I loved it for a long time. Yeah. I like Billy Bob Thornton. Like I, I prefer him when he's more of a stoic character instead of you know country blabbermouth or you know acerbic douchebag. But uh, I don't. I don't know. the The story just didn't get it for me. Um. So yeah, two point seven five on that one. Yeah, it says the uh, it was the whole film was graded digitally on computer and the negative was scanned in a spirit data scene of two K resolution and then the colors were digitally fine tuned. Nice. Process took several weeks. Man, I really hope you're wrong about this, Kevin. <laughs> like, well, as in, the man, I, I wasn't there. Soon and I, yeah, I want to watch it soon, and I, I, I definitely have a, a, hey. a higher opinion of it from uh, from yeah. last that, time I watched it forever that's, ago. That's cool. I'm more. I'm worried too. I I want. To, yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, I don't know. I I don't remember much about it at this point, so I'm looking forward to rewatching yeah, it as well. I just I yeah. remember Scarlett Johansson. And driving off the road. Yeah. Yeah. I love and the shot of the uh the hubcap. Yeah. I do remember that. And I do remember some of the blood effects in it. That's just the kind of thing that tends to stick with me. Yeah, so, yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. Uh Jonathan? I don't have any more. Are you serious? Yeah. Bro, you haven't been here in, in a while. I was here last time. Yeah, but you didn't talk about everything, did you? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Did you seriously talk about everything? <laughs> didn't you watch something else like yesterday? I know you watch Twix. Yeah, I watched it's great. The, the Even when you're here, you're not here. Talk about. You're not here. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I uh, I'll talk briefly about Election, which I rewatched because uh, I I don't know we were bored and wanted to watch something, and I bought this on Criterion during the last sale. Um, and it's good. I like Election a lot, and I like Matthew Broderick in it a lot, and I don't 100 percent identify with his character being a teacher. But I do identify with his hating certain students because, uh, you know, just I really Absolutely. dislike some of my students. So yeah. he and uh, he, you know, obviously dislikes one of his students in particular. But uh, I can't get into the whole his whole like at the beginning where he's like, I love teaching and I am I do extra stuff, constantly, which is all a big, you know, it's just him tr- patting himself on the back kind of. But mm. um, I found it very it's very amusing. And uh, especially the kind of epilogue where he goes to New York city is very funny. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a borderline great film. I like, I like Alexander Payne a lot and this is, uh, one of his better ones in my opinion. Best, it's the best one. Best I, one. I don't know. <laughs> what is the, what is the best one? Those I'd is ha- the descendants. No, I hate the descendants. <laughs> I'd have to re I'd have to rewatch, uh, sideways and, uh, I've never seen citizen Ruth before. So, mm. But uh, I liked, and I like Nebraska a shitload. So who knows? Who knows? I have to rewatch everything before I come to a, a, a determination on that front. Okay. Anyway, Jr. Right. So uh, I watched Captain Marvel, and okay, Kevin. It, <laughs> just kidding. It was. A, I was. Well, I was gonna say. Let me. Let me. Let me have my turn. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a superhero movie. Um, no. And uh, then moving on, I also watched. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go back to uh, Jr.'s Ken Russell corner. Ah, <laughs> watched a watched a few Ken Russell movies. Um, I watched uh, his autobiography that he made like pretty late in life, nineteen 
is that the 1989 or 1990 called a British picture and uh, it's probably more effective if you've seen some of his older movies but it's uh, it's very funny very touching it's been like an hour-long thing it's very nice uh, this morning I watched his kind of weird ass uh, prostitution movie uh, fuck, what? Crimes, of passion? What the fuck is- crimes it- of passion oh my god Yes, Crimes of Passion, the thing that I watched to fucking day, um, <laughs> which is Kathleen Turner as like a she's leading a dual life. She has like a good job and during the day, and then she's a prostitute named China Blue at night. And uh, there's this like fucking Boy Scout nerd off. that falls in love with her. And uh, it has Anthony Perkins as a crazed preacher who. Uh, whose weapon of choice is a sharpened giant vibrating dildo. Wow. So nice. if, if that sounds up your alley, it probably, it probably is. I'd rather it's not a, have it up my alley. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, <laughs> it's a couple years before layer of the worm, I think. So he's oh, okay. like, not, he's not full camp yet, mm. but it's, uh, it's, it's leaning in that direction. Okay. But then, uh, so I watched uh, the other one. I watched the best one I watched from him was a movie he made in 1971 called The Boyfriend, which is like this very just colorful, kind of wacky musical uh, set in a musical theater company in the 1920s, starring this actress I'd never heard of who's very uh, pretty named Twiggy. Uh, <laughs> the model? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, yes. right. <laughs> I had I, never heard of her, but. Um, so it's just it, it's a super super thin plot with a pretty bloated runtime, um, but it's a lot of fun. There's not like as much Ken Russell like uh, sex and debauchery as other films, but uh, mm. it's just yeah, I don't know the the the, the whimsy is infectious. <laughs> and uh, I, you know I guess when I say like musical set in the 1920s, you probably know whether or not you'll have any patience for this. But I did, and it was a four to five. And after I watched that, I like went and looked at his filmography. From 1969 to 1972, Ken Russell made Women in Love, The Music Lovers, The Boyfriend, Savage Messiah, and The Devils, which is just the most like insane fucking run of, of movies. Uh all of those are, are four, four and a half, or five out of five. All five movies in four years. It's it blows my mind. Mm. So, uh, if you're not on the Ken Russell train, get get on it. <laughs> I definitely this, want need to see the Devils because. Yeah. 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 You you do. Right. What did you think of Tommy? I. The Roger Daltrey movies are not my favorite. Uh, I can see why. I, and I, I don't hate them. I don't hate uh, Tommy or Listomania, but I, I definitely want to revisit them less right. than others of his. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. This is uh, this has been another edition of JR's Ken Russell Corner. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have to look forward to on next week's episode? Uh, Valentino. Ah. Oh. Cool. Should be which is a. Uh, Movie he made in the late seventies about the uh, the great silent actor. Ah, uh, okay. Real Valentino. All right. <laughs> so I rewatched Carrie by Brian De Palma, 
And there's a lot of stuff that I like in this movie. I just think the... For me, I think it's more the plot just kind of doesn't work as well as maybe it should. Um, what movie? Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I like I like Sissy Spacek, John Travolta's... I don't know, he's okay. He It's it's another one of those, like, why are you putting on this southern accent? Like, they never say where they're located in the movie. That's, but he's, for some reason, the, he he's, has... He's uh, the thing that tells you. I guess. He's got a southern accent there in the south. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Um, I also read some... And a really interesting thing that I think tells you a lot about Piper Laurie. Mm. Apparently, she maintains to this day and thought back when they were filming it that Carrie was really a black comedy. Now, given you know that she's like yelling Bible verses at Sissy Spacek and slapping her in the face with a Bible through a lot of the movie, I mean... If that's very, fun, if that's very funny to you, then, then yeah, that, I mean that's that's fine if that's what you're into. I, but I love the Bible I, slap. Yeah, it's like these people who think that uh, the house that Jack built was a comedy. Like it's just so funny. Like there's not much funny going on. In that There's movie. a lot of those people. I yeah, I do not get like, it. Read, read the reviews on. I feel like they're. I feel like they're telling themselves as a comedy to like rationalize their liking of it. Mm. Like yeah. I have to like this. Because it's like an art house on Trier film, so I'll just tell myself it's a dark comedy, and then it's like okay to like it. Yeah, and like you know, it's okay to be bothered by certain things. Yeah, like, like honestly, that's more, I think, what Von Trier is going for. He's trying to bother you with mm-hmm. a lot, you know, a, most of the imagery and things that are going on in that movie. Of course. So, but yeah, like like there, yeah, even even though as a movie. On the whole, I wouldn't say that it's an amazing movie. Like, there's a lot of stuff that bothered me in Carrie. Like, you know, the like the very the very first scene where like she's having her first period, and all of the girls in the locker room are just throwing towels and tampons at her, and it's like, this is fucking horrible. Like, of course, like, you know, this is gonna scar someone. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but. A lot of slapping in the movie by by the gym teacher to a bunch of the girls who were you know doing that to Carrie, and it's like okay, I, I would uh, love it if I could slap my kids around, man. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Would <laughs> <laughs> uh, be good. Yeah, missed the seventies, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I came around too late. Yeah, but um, yeah, and uh, what'd you give it out of five? Three and a half, like I would I would say like the the violent parts like the the scene in the gymnasium and then later on when Carrie makes all the knives fly into her mother, those are all pretty well done. Um, but yeah, just overall, it's Solid. good. It's good. All right, uh, I watched uh, Mikey and Nikki, directed by Elaine May. From 76 and starring uh, John Cassavetes and Peter Falk. And uh, that sounds like the perfect comedy duo. They're <laughs> they are funny in it at times. Uh, it, I would not call it a comedy at all. Oh, it's a uh, it actually you know, what's funny is that it reminds me of um, 
there was a movie that came out, and I'll have to look it up, but came out a couple of years ago with Christopher Walken and uh, Al Pacino. You remember this movie? Anybody? Anybody? Stand Up Guys? Stand Up Guys. Mm. Now, this movie was, Stand Up Guys is about uh, Pacino gets out of jail, Walken, mm. they're both mob guys, and Walken, yeah, has, yeah. Walk, Walken is tasked with killing him, but they're like friends, so right. Pacino doesn't know. And it's an absolute piece of shit movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, this, this movie is what it should have been. Like, this movie uh. is essentially the same storyline, but just so much better. And uh, John Cassavetes is a um, mom, you know, mom guy. He's, he stole some money from some big guy, uh, big timer, and uh, big timer wants him dead. Mm. And he hires uh, fucking Warren, Warren, not Warren Beatty, uh, Ned Beatty to kill him. <laughs> Ned Beatty's in this too? Yeah. And he is fat as ever. <laughs> uh, hires Ned Beatty to kill him. And I, I'd say, this is not a spoiler because I feel like it happens in the first like 20 minutes. You find out that Peter Falk is essentially helping him to find him. So like, you know, fingering him so he can get killed. And uh it is just fucking great. It is so fun to watch these two guys talk to each other with what you have to assume is like 98% improvisation. It's just, mm. they're just going on about all kinds of random shit. And, uh, so many good little things that they do. Like Peter Falk, uh, th- when he gets to him at the beginning of the film, he, t- Cassavetes calls him and he comes to those, his, uh, hotel or his apartment or whatever. And he tells him, um, He's freaking out. He's John Cassavetes is so paranoid in the movie, and uh, he starts like he's like my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. And Peter Fox like that's your ulcer, you know. I'm gonna go downstairs to get you some half and half. And then he's like, no, no, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And he says, I'll be back in five minutes. Look, and he gives him he gives him his watch. He takes his watch off and gives it to him. Like I'll be back. You have my watch. It's just genius. Like <laughs> wow. that's so good. I don't know. And then he goes downstairs to get the half and half, and he has this incredible scene with the diner owner who doesn't sell half and half and like keeps telling him like he doesn't sell cream and he's like just give me 15 creams and i'll pay for the coffee too just don't give me the coffee and it's just that's just (laughs) unbelievable i don't know how else to explain it so good and um it just i don't know who's ripping off who here like it definitely feels like a cassavetes film i've never seen anything else elaine may directed uh I know she did do things before this, not as early as Cassavetes, but um, I know that the rest of her films are kind of like, well, I mean, the two before this are like romantic comedies, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So, uh, but this is just uh, a real blast, uh, just really fun, easy to watch, and I'm going to have to pick up the Criterion Blu-ray as quickly as possible. It has a great squib in it, too, just oh. an amazing shoulder explosion with blood on the wall is really good so uh and the ending is so abrupt but like at the same time disturbing and i don't know man it's just really it's a great and peter falk and cassavetes they're just like they're the kings man i could watch them do anything i have to watch the rest of the cassavetes box set because i'm just fucking jonesing for merfolk how long has this been on criterion uh just a couple of months now i think oh yeah yeah at cool. least on it might have been on DVD earlier. But oh yeah, they, they I just downloaded the Blu-ray. I downloaded it before I knew it was coming to Criterion, uh. but then it was announced for Criterion, so I was like, oh, I gotta watch this fucking thing. But I, I watched it. It's fucking great. Jr. 
so just real quick, Elaine May also did uh, the Heartbreak Kid, the right. original Heartbreak Kid, right? Which uh, is just an incredibly bleak and morally bankrupt and fucked up romantic comedy, and and she did Ishtar, Ishtar, which ruined her career, right? Yeah, Ishtar was not great. <laughs> I don't I, recommend Ishtar. <laughs> I still am gonna see Ishtar. You should. It, I'm it curious. Is, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it's not great. Yeah. yeah. I just wish I don't understand how in this day and age, especially with the whole like what seems like a patron system coming about where you've got Megan Ellison writing $40 million checks to Paul Thomas Anderson to go do whatever the fuck he wants. Like you can't throw some of that money to De Palma, Coppola, Elaine May, you know, some of these people who don't have careers anymore because they're part of an old system. It's just like, or, and uh, like uh, Michael Cimino when he was alive, you know, it just couldn't get a fucking movie made. It's just like, just help, help a brother out, you know? Yeah, but Cimino is, is dug his May. own grave. That doesn't matter. He's still, <laughs> you can still, he gets, he's still a good director. Like he, he might've had a good film left in him. Uh, you know, why, it's just it's just a little bit of money for these people. <laughs> Megan Ellison is a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like you can you can throw away ten million dollars here and there on trying to yeah. make a masterpiece. Go ahead. Is she Annapurna or A two four? She's Annapurna, I okay. believe. Yeah, I get those confused. I do too sometimes, mm. but they're becoming more distinct every day. I think I feel like A two four is kind of taken over at this point. Yeah, mm. I mean, I'll definitely remember A two four as the. Uh, the studio that relegated uh, under the I silver lake. Remember names? Oh my god! <laughs> under the silver lake to VOD. Under under the silver lake to VOD. Jesus fucking Christ! Why can't I remember anything today? I don't know, man. Yeah, You're drinking that beer. Yeah, You're sauced. Exactly. Yeah, You're t- in the tank. I am totally sauced, guys. Yeah, one beer. I'm a I'm like I'm a giant man, and one beer just boom <laughs> just knocked down. you down. <clears throat> yep. Ooh. All right, Jr. All right, uh, I'll do. Uh, I'll do one more. I've only got one more too. Good. Yeah. Actually, I won't even. Let's just. I won't even do one more. I'll just say real quick. Uh, you guys talked about the Sisters <laughs> Brothers last time, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I also recently watched it, and I thought uh, John C. Riley, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jake Gyllenhaal were all really fun, and like the movie is really fun while being also pretty violent. And I enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, uh, I listened to an interview where John C. Riley's basically like, I just wanted to hide uh, Jacques Audiard because I liked his movies. So this is like a total director for hire movie for him, but it's like his best movie in over a decade. So I really, uh, I in particularly liked uh, Gyllenhaal's performance in it a lot. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And I love the opening scene in the dark, just like the pitch black prairie and the gunfire. It's mm. amazing. It's yeah. so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So I, I did what Kevin just can't do because he just doesn't know how to do this. Uh, I watched this movie and then I went to the library and checked out the book. So I can't <laughs> wait to read <laughs> it. the book after the movie, Kevin. Glad I'm doing that. I've done that plenty of times. I did that with Fight Club. That doesn't work all the time either. Like when I read Jackie Brown or Rum Punch after I watched right, Jackie right. Brown, you can't you can't imagine this white blonde lady as because you just got Pam Greer in your head the whole time. Yeah, it's yeah. bizarre. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, I watched uh, Law Abiding Citizen, which 
is not as bad as I remembered it being. And uh, but still pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I gave Wait, it. So I gave it a three. I enjoyed it. I you watched the... this, and then you decided to do it again. <laughs> I watched it like years ago, like probably in like 2011 when or it came out. Like that. I, I I do recall one scene in it. I've never actually seen it. I watched most of it on on television on a premium channel once, so it had all the the bad stuff in it. Oh. And I do recall one the scene when he kills his cellmate with the knife. As yeah, being it's unbelievably it's... like gruesome and and really good looking like they did really yeah. good with the blood effect i don't know how they did it yeah he's like, like out, out of nowhere the knife into the guy's neck like eight times yeah and like at, like yeah he just does it and there's blood like all over the place that being said and then he just like you know lays back right. on the cot and you know yeah that being said gerard butler is probably the worst actor alive <laughs> he wasn't uh, horrible yeah. his act like the one i was surprised the most at was that his accent wasn't horrible okay i was expecting it to be just fucking you know hellacious yeah but it actually wasn't that bad it feels like f gary gray too as a director he he like he i like the negotiator a lot when Mm. i saw it you know in the 90s i don't know how i'd feel about it now but i mean i've seen it a lot since then Mm. and uh and i always liked friday and I loved Set It Off when I was younger, which the the female bank robber movie. And it's just like he's – it feels like he's just went off a cliff with the the commerciality of the shit that he does. Like he did the King Arthur movie and it was like all downhill after that. The Italian uh, dude, job. Well, he did, he did, uh, he did yeah. the Italian job. Yeah, the, I don't – The fate I mean, of the furious. Brutal. I had a poster for that in my room. Brutal. <laughs> I loved the Italian job. Did you really? I never saw I it mean, actually, but I was, a, off, I was off the F. Gary Gray train by then. I was a 15-year-old and – I was really mm. the last movie that I watched uh, that I specifically sought out because he directed it was uh, a man apart, which was the Vin oh, Diesel yeah. movie where mm. he's like a crooked Ooh. cop or something. It's been a long Quick time. question. Yeah. Did any of us see straight out of Compton? No, no, no. man. I hear it's very good. That's it's kind of weird that none of us have seen that. Why? It was really popular. Pretty, yeah. pretty critically acclaimed. Yeah. It's just about something that I have no interest in. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't give a fuck not, about gangster rap. Yeah, not not really into NWA. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. Although, and I and I saw uh, <laughs> Ice Cube's son. Oh, you re-upped. He's really trying to get soused. Oh my god, dude! You refilled. That's why I disappeared for like five minutes. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I, I'll talk up. about my last thing here, which is uh, I watched the new S. Craig Zoller movie, Dragged Across Concrete, mm. starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Does it have a scene like in a no? Isn't that weird? When I first heard this film was announced, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting that he named it that." Being that there's a scene where a guy gets his face dragged across concrete yeah. in Brawl and <laughs> Saw Block Ninety Nine, yeah. But no, nothing like that happens in this. Uh, this movie is shockingly violent at times, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but only really, it's it's so this movie, like all of his films, but this one probably more so than ever so tonally bizarre uh it's really really long it's like two hours and 40 minutes long and uh, he's he's into that too yeah i mean yeah but this i i I, honestly that's not a problem for me with this one i i was engaged the whole time i thought it was like i liked it i thought it was uh interesting to watch the characters i thought his dialogue is i'm on the fence about his dialogue because like vince vaughn in particular has so many weird lines that sound so bizarre coming out of his mouth. He's just so overly poetic at times, but then other times he's just like this New Jersey guy. And it's just like, it's just strange. I don't know. 
Is there, he putting on an accent again? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And, uh, but it is, uh, there is one line that I actually wrote it down, but I remember it. Uh, they're accused of being uh, racist at the beginning of the movie because they assault a Mexican drug lord to get the money. I don't know, something. Anyways, they make a bust. And uh, <laughs> Vince Vaughn <laughs> says that they're talking to Don Johnson, who plays their uh, their police commander. And, they, and Vince Vaughn says, I am not racist. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I order the dark roast. <laughs> it's okay. just like, and it's yeah, because no racist would ever do that. It's completely unironic when it's said. Nobody chuckles at it. Like it's just like Don John's just like, all right, guys. Well, I'll see what I can do. It's just like it's the weirdest. I don't know. Like Zoller is just such a bizarre writer. Um, I feel like if that happened in real life, like literally, in <laughs> literally anyone would else would like pull you know like the office like looking to an invisible camera <laughs> Don Johnson, I, I imagine in real life the commanders just be like what like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> but um there is a there's an entire uh you know in the trailer it says also starring jennifer carpenter who is uh plays his girlfriend or fiance in brawl and Subway Night as and dexter mm, yeah uh, as dexter's sister and she is in the movie for two scenes uh and her but in the two scenes that she's in, which are back to back, it's entirely focused on her, and there's like an arc for her character. It's the strangest. You could excise everything with Jennifer Carpenter out of the film, and you would literally lose nothing from the storyline. It's the strangest shit. It's just like all of a sudden, we're looking like it's like an hour and a half into the movie. We're watching Jennifer Carpenter have an argument with her husband about their kid and about how she has to go back to work because it's you know, it's time to go back to work now that her kid's old enough and. And then she goes back to the work, and she works at a bank, and the bank gets robbed, and that's part of the story. But it's like, you don't need any of the Jennifer Carpenter stuff. But at the same time, it's so bizarrely disturbing, the shit that happens to her during the bank robbery. It's just like, it feels like Zoller is just fucking with you. He's just like, you know what, let's just put this really intensely disturbing shit Right in the middle of what should be just a normal, you know, crime movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's really, it's a fucked up, uh, weird ride. What happens? I can't say. Oh, okay. Because I know that Jr. wants to see it. Well, Jr. He's here. gone. Kevin? So what happens? Kevin? Uh, I, I probably won't. Uh, well, I don't um, know. Okay, so she takes she find she uh, one of the baby's booties comes off and she has it in her in her thing and she's like smelly and shit because she loves her kid so much and she's like missing him and uh, they tell the bank robbers tell uh, the the whole place not to move and everything and she and this one guy's like about to email Jr. Jr. Take your headphones yep. off. Take, Take them, them off. off. Take them off. Okay. So they uh, they they tell um, they they tell they uh, tell everybody not to move. This one guy's about to uh, email the police, like on his computer, and he's like motioning to Jennifer Carpenter, and she's like, "No, don't do it." And then he tries to press enter, and she like reaches to stop him, and they shoot her in the hands, and they blow both of her hands off with machine gun fire, and then she falls down. And uh, she's like, and then she like has like a thumb and forefinger left on one hand and she pulls the booty out and she like looks at the robber and she says, would you, would you give this to make sure my son gets this? His name is Jackson. And they just blow her head apart with machine gun fire. Like, tell me, like, tell me that belongs in this movie. It's just so strange. It's so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like a, like an SNL skit. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bizarre. You, You can, you can, you can put him back on now. Yeah. 
Sorry, Jay. I had to spoil something and dragged across concrete, and I know that you said you're probably going to see it at some point. So, definitely, it's it's getting like the quickest uh, DVD Blu-ray turnaround rate ever. Yeah, it's, wow. It's definitely not something that people are into. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, sorry. While I have my headphones off, did you mention that uh, Jennifer Carpenter is actually the first build? I didn't know that. But I didn't know that, but I mean, that's got to be just because of uh, 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 say vocabulary alphabetical right because <laughs> yeah i mean how much fear have you had? she's literally not in the movie very much at all yeah uh, okay cool but um when i saw your rating for this i i did want to ask how you felt about uh zoller's apparent relationship with her but it, it's good to hear that she's not in it much what are they fucking i didn't know anything about that no 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 like just she's been in the past two movies yeah i don't know yeah it's it, it does feel like a total uh I like this actress. I'm going to write something for her in the movie, and it's mm. completely unrelated to the plot at all. But, right. Um, so but what was that about machine gun hands? No, 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 no. Is that what I heard? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, okay. you, you didn't hear anything. Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, I gave it a four. Uh, it could have been better. There are things I have problems with. Oh, <clears throat> I was going to say, if I was uh, if I was to give an award to the movie with the best squibs, this would have it for the rest of the year and not because of blood squibs because of their there's a scene when a guy robs a convenience store and he it's all one shot and it's you see the entire convenience store and the guy and he's got a gun and he's shooting all over the place in the convenience store and like just like one or two shots at a time and it's just timed like he shoots and something like the wall explodes and he shoots a tv and the tv explodes he shoots the display of chips and the chips explode it is so good looking like it works so well I was very impressed. I don't mm. know if you guys remember in Mystery Train when Tom Waits has to shoot uh, Rockets Red Glare, who's the guy who owns the liquor store. Rockets Red Glare says, um, I'm the man who's going to make you use that gun. And then he shoots him through the chest and it explodes the bottles behind him. Yeah, yeah. That's probably like my favorite squib of all time. But this <laughs> is like as good as that. Right. It's really good. So anyway, that's all I got. You guys want to jump into uh, Twixt? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, as long as we're talking about realistic depictions of blood, we should probably go to Twixt. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that was a, was a little joke? Yeah, we get it. Little, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Twixt is uh, from 2011, directed by Coppola, starring Val Kilmer, Bruce Stern, Al Fanning, Ben Chaplin. Um, and this is your pick, JR. So, uh, you know, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I blame you. Because... Um, <laughs> I initially presented this uh, film as a joke. Uh, oh, did you I, really? I, I love it, but uh, the vast majority of people who see it do not love it or like it or even dislike it. Most people seem to hate it. And, uh, you know, I think there I, – I can see I can see the reasons why. Um, and uh, I'll go into why I like it even though it, it – uh, objectively this is a mess um but so yeah this movie is about uh val kilmer playing uh hall baltimore a quote uh, bargain basement stephen king which i love <laughs> traveling through uh basically small town america on the world's saddest book signing tour yeah like he can't get an advance from his publisher his wife seems to hate him he's drinking too much he's being ignored in uh the town Swan Valley where this takes place during his signing, not at a bookstore, but at a local hardware store <laughs> that sells five books. Yeah. 
which is it, it is very sad and one wonders how uh like what agents set him up at this book where books a hardware store excuse mm. me or if uh the sheriff played by bruce dern maybe set this up because the sheriff uh bobby lagrange <laughs> is uh an aspiring horror writer and encourages Baltimore to uh, come see his doozy of a corpse, which is a weird thing to say to a guy you just met. Yeah. Uh, and when they go look at that corpse, the sheriff explains that the uh, town was host to a string of murders a long time ago and that there are lots of weird goings on in Swan Valley, and including those uh, damn kids at the lake. And uh, Baltimore gets wrapped up in a bunch of mysteries, although not necessarily that unsolved murder. That seems to be like the the furthest thing from anyone's mind in this uh, for a while. It, this is mostly about Hall Baltimore on a quest to find something like personal and meaningful to write about so that he can uh, make more money. Amen. Does that sound mm. about right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, this was uh, this is Francis Ford Francis Ford Coppola's uh, most recent completed feature. Is that right? right yeah he did some kind of uh, uh, experiment with his class at ucla or something yeah uh, it's like a total cheapo digital film yeah originally meant to be experimental yeah it looks like all yeah it's yeah it's it's awful looking yeah (laughs) it looks like a sci-fi original movie from the late 90s i'll actually just while we're on that real quick i'll also say that it sounds pretty bad too like a lot of the dialogue is like obviously adr'd and like re-recorded and it doesn't it's not that's not uh, good amateur hour. <laughs> yeah, it is amateur hour. Yeah. But you know, I do, have, I do have thoughts on the dialogue specifically, but I'll come back to that. Um, and, and like the sound of the dialogue. But um, I, I think this this movie seems to be sold like a initially as like a a supernatural horror. At least that's what the trailer tells me. But it's kind of that, not really. That's more like a a dream horror. I don't know. Yeah, it's not even a horror. I don't know. Yeah, horror doesn't really fit yeah. at all. Horror doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, and it's thriller, like, I would say, but hmm. yeah, and and it's like there's a there's a mystery, sort of yeah. like, but uh, it it's just weird. It's it, it's also like this is related to uh, like Coppola uh, Coppola's Coppola. Son. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, there's a a death in the movie in a flashback. Uh, that is is very similar to the way that uh, Coppola's own son died in the in the eighties, I think, in nineteen eighty six. It was like a boating accident, yeah. which kind of gives this like a, a kind of clues me in that this is somehow very personal. But I don't really know why. <laughs> I don't know why he chose this uh, this vehicle to tell yeah, it's, something, it's, some personal story about his son. A little sad, and sense of guilt, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> Puts, and there's like and there's like two timelines going on, one in reality, one in dreams. I haven't brought up Elle Fanning, who is like the the cover image of this movie, right? Who who plays a ghost in Val Kilmer's dreams, where he also talks to uh, Edgar Allan Poe, yeah, who is an exposition monster of sorts. It's cringe. And, and then there's also uh, the new Han Solo, and I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the fuck he's doing in this movie. <laughs> Oh, Why uh, is Aaron Aldenreich? Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich? Alden Ehrenreich? He was in his previous film also. He was in Tetro. He, oh. plays, a, he plays a maybe vampire named Flamingo. Yeah. Who, uh, who's in maybe 
three or four scenes and it just it is very un, unclear what's going on with with flamingo because he's also the only character in both uh dreams and reality so mm. which one's reality all right so uh that's what this movie's about it's a fucking mess oh and <laughs> you know tom waits uh has an intro narration. Yeah. It kind of adds like a children's storybook feel, but then he's never there again. So what are you guys' thoughts? And how much do you want to punch me? I didn't like it. I just <laughs> flat out, I did not like this I, movie. I feel like I should say something real quick, which is that I, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's not because it's not because I didn't want to. It's because... 85 minutes. I know, I know. And it was, How far did you get? I got exactly halfway through it. Uh, and I and here's the reason, okay? Here's so you don't the, even know what happens to Flamingo. No, I, I didn't even know he was in the movie. <laughs> it, it gets really, it gets. Hang on, let's, just listen, just listen, just listen, because I want to, I want to explain what's happening here. It's not because I, you know, it's not for lack of trying. You like it so far? I'll, I'll get into that. I, I had a, I, I, we had a, a pep rally today, and I was under the impression that I would have the time during the pep rally to oh, watch it, God. and they made us escort oh, our was, fucking classes to the gym. Silly. Well, that's what cell phones are for. Honestly, I could have walked away from the pep rally probably, but I was scared I was going to get in trouble, so I didn't. But um, <laughs> I watched the the first forty five minutes of it on uh, on my my break period and at lunch, so. Uh, that's the gist of it. I mean, I mean, it really is. <laughs> I've seen I've seen Ben Chaplin as Poe, and uh, I've watched the, the the dream sequence, the first extended dream sequence that when he goes to the hotel and everything. But um, I, I'll 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 just say that I uh, I don't dislike it so far. I I definitely don't like I don't like how cheap it is, but at the same time, I understand why it is. Uh, although at the same time, it's like it it has seven million dollar budget. Like I don't understand why you shoot on HD with a $7 million budget in 2011. It just feels like you could still crank it out on film. Maybe. I mean, he shot the, he shot his previous two films on film, uh, which were happening in Oh nine and Oh seven. And those movies look great. Uh, so it just felt like you could have done the story without all the supernatural bullshit. And it would have just like, like, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. JR, you mentioned like he's, he's infusing like his son's death into this movie. And it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's cringy to me. I don't know because it's just so cheap and just. I don't know. It just doesn't really do any justice to that. Like if it's you know, maybe he's doing that on purpose. I don't know. It's strange. I think that's fair. Um, I, I do. I, I don't think you needed to see how uh, that daughter of uh, Val Kilmer's died, but I do like the overall like theme of guilt and how guilt wrecks Val Kilmer in this movie. Like he's just is a shell of himself. Again, we knew that through everything else that happened, we didn't need the flashback at the end Yeah, Mm, yeah. that resembled, uh, you know, Coppola's own son's death. I, I will say that, uh, and I mentioned already, the best thing about the movie so far is his portable desk. I'm I'm in love with this (laughs) thing. It's so cool. Like (laughs) it's awesome. I love that he has, this portable desk because he's in hotel rooms all the time and he needs to write and he can't trust him to have a desk in the room. So he has to carry his own desk around. And I love his old, I love the whole scene of him writing with the, in the, like the ritualistic, you know, putting the pins on the table and the lighter and the, yeah, I just wish it was more grounded. Like I, I don't like, I just, I I, I hated the supernatural shit. It's awful. Actually, I don't mind the supernatural (laughs) stuff only because it's, it's like obviously happening in his head. So it's like, but, 
it well, doesn't, except for one or yeah, two things. The stuff yeah. that's except happened two since I've seen it has been happening in his head yeah. during dreams. Yeah. So I don't I don't mind it so far. But uh also the I mean just the the compound on the best scene in the movie of him sitting at his his uh, portable desk. The impressions are unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, the one of Brando. So, so good, so funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh it makes me yeah. miss Kilmer so bad and I hate that he's uh you know had to get his throat cut out or whatever so he's all fucked up now but um you know he's he's just great the guy's great yeah like as has anyone here seen throw mama from the train i have that's no. there's that line yeah. that billy crystal I, keeps, I keeps going you, over i cannot believe you're mentioning that because i totally went immediately to letterbox and was like none of you guys have logged throw mama from the train we're watching throw mama from the train next time. I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen it like a bajillion times yeah, but too. just not <laughs> since i've had letterbox but yeah like you know, well, the night was human. I was yeah. like, <laughs> when he said I that, hope, I hope that he was referenced. Right that. when he said that, I was like, that's a little lame because it's like, why would this this writer who's a published like good writer be 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 starting his novel with the night was human? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, a stupid thing to start. <laughs> the with. night was human. The fog came in. Like, was it? He ends it with a whale's ass at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is then he says, "No, that sucks." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like honestly, like those I think were the things that were keeping me going through that movie. His interactions, like you know, whether he was writing or talking to his wife or talking to his publisher, um, a little bit with the stuff with uh, Bruce Dern. Um, but yeah, like I like especially the scene where like she's got the copy of leaves of grass and he's like no 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 he set the type himself please put it down you should be wearing gloves stop you should have let her sell it man they need the money that's a lot of money if i had a hundred thousand dollar book sitting at home i'd sell it so if if you'll if you guys will not mind an indulgence i do think uh val kilmer's performance is worth talking about because i love his sarcastic deadpan in reality with all of the the people he meets in the town like he he obviously he's just is obviously de- bored and depressed he hates everything and he maintains that throughout even when he agrees to like start writing the book with the the sheriff because he you know he sees personal gain from it he does not treat the sheriff very nicely and he's just always a dick um and i also like that in the dreams he is sometimes like that but not always like he he starts off like that uh when he like go to the chickering hotel in the dream where he's just like i'll have a beer um but he is like less and less grounded and less and less sarcastic as the dreams go just because he's dream val kilmer and uh i thought he pulled that off well good yeah i agree they should they should have uh they should have made him uh like they should have waited to shoot the dream sequences and then, like, wait six months, have him drop, like, 100 pounds and become, like, this felt Val Kilmer again. And then, like, ha- shoot the dream sequences and suddenly he's, like, super hot Val Kilmer in the dreams, <laughs> you know? Because, like, his his mental image of himself. Chop off the greasy ponytail. That's pretty good, <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, just put him right back into real genius. Yeah. 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 Or Top Gun, man. Yeah. Sexy as fucking Top Gun. I just prefer real genius because it's hilarious. <laughs> Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm. This is this is going about how I thought it would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I'll mention. I'll mention a uh, 
something of a blooper that I noticed early on in the film, which probably just is uh, comes from the fact that they had a limited budget, which was uh, when he's packing up his books at the first book signing when he's trying to get away from Bruce Dern. Uh, like all the books have different thicknesses, but they're the same book. <laughs> Because they, oh. you can tell they just put book covers on all these different books that they bought wow. at like the thrift store or something. Right. That's pretty, it's a little embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, let me, let me go through uh, some positives that I like uh, that you guys probably don't. Um, so uh, in the first dream sequence, se- sequence in the first dream sequence, he enters this, uh, this hotel that is closed in reality called the Chickering Hotel, which is, uh, they, they say, is where Edgar Allan Poe slept one night, which is the town's claim to fame. Edgar Allan Poe slept there one night. Um, he goes in, and the the visuals in there are distorted, weird. There There's only a couple of instances of color. There's, there's this big red carpet. There's uh, a pretty bright fire that lights itself. The visuals in that scene reminded me of a mix of uh, Terry Gilliam, maybe, and Guy Madden. And uh, Guy Madden is the guy who did uh, Archangel, which I know John watched Mm -hmm. maybe like a year and a half ago. But he does all these other uh, just visually odd kind of... uh, I also watched... Seemingly from the silent era. Yeah, I watched most of uh, whatever the one was that was on Netflix. I can't remember. Oh, is the it, Forbidden is Room. Is that the Forbidden Room? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is awesome. An awesome movie, I think. Um, <laughs> I also think that uh, the sound design that you complained about, like especially with the dialogue, and this is, like you're right, there probably is a lot of ADR. It probably is accidental. But I do think the sound kind of comes off like a, a Guy Matted movie where it, like everyone's voice is just seemingly detached yeah. from reality. Like they sound far away. You think that's and, purposeful? Uh, I don't know if it's purposeful. I I, I think it is uh, maybe accidentally. A ha- happy accident. Yeah. Because because I liked that part and uh, I can see I can see how it's distracting and because it definitely does feel uh, overproduced in that maybe they they fucked up some things but I liked it. That's fair. Uh, I don't like I said I, the, the dream so so far the dream sequences I mean. I I don't mind them at all. I like I really liked when you walked in the Chickering Hotel. The uh, whoever that the guy like who's sitting by the fire. Yeah, yeah. I I liked all of his uh, how he's just completely concentrated on what he's doing and not at all on what on who Val Kilmer is or why he's coming in. And it just seems yeah. feels very surreal. And I, I like that. I don't mind it, that at all. And it was odd. Well, I guess it's not odd because it's a dream and he's populating the dream with people he saw, but those two people work in like the uh, gift shop for the Belfry. Oh yeah. That has a, so you would have seen like the gift shop sequence is very short near the beginning. Um, And it's, it's like a nothing scene where he finds out Edgar Allan Poe slept there. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, But it turns out the guy is like the, he's the Belfry keeper later in the film. Oh, spoiler. Spoiler for me who hasn't seen the end of the film. I also... Let's Val Kilmer up there. That's so nice. far, I've only seen uh, Ben Chaplin as Poe in one scene. I, I, I liked him. I think he looks just like Poe. It's pretty crazy. He should have done like a biopic of Poe. Mm. Looks just like him. <laughs> I like him, but I think the, the Poe 
character is one of my least favorite things about the movie. He's he's basically like the narrator for the later dream sequences yeah. where you find out what happened to Elle Fanning's character. Elle Fanning, by the way, when this was filmed, was 12. She plays a 12-year-old. She plays the tallest 12-year-old in the world. Right. 12? I teach she pretty even, tall. She even mentions that in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, what, are, uh, what are you, like 13, 14? <laughs> I'm 12. I but everyone thinks I'm older because I'm her. tall. I think they put braces on her to make her look younger. Maybe. 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 Oh. Huh? Uh, I was going to say it's been, been about Ben Chaplin. Uh, just a totally weird uh, human. Like, why? Like, this guy, Where? what is his career? Like, what is it? <laughs> what movies has he been in? But he's like, he keeps, he's constantly in stuff, but then you forget he exists. He's just a strange character. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I there was a time, I think, when they thought he was going to be, like, the it guy for a minute, and then he was in Birthday Girl with Nicole Kidman, and it just all went to hell for him. I don't know. Mm. He's just, like, these little tiny roles in movies now. But he's still, a, like, he's like a sort of, he just exists in this weird uh, in-between, you know, of celebrity. Mm. Like, he's technically a celebrity, but nobody's ever heard of him. I can't say I heard of him before ben, this movie. Ben Chaplin. As he's, yeah. he, he remind, he's on the same level as someone like Rufus Sewell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Rufus Sewell has, has been in a movie, who, <laughs> and he was the star of the movie, but that movie, nobody likes it. And he's I like never Dark been City. The, I like Dark City. Was he the star of the 13th Warrior? No, that was no. Banderas. Antonio Banderas was the star of the 13th really? Warrior, you, you weirdo. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen it. Sorry. I know. You're, you're gross. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> That's Jonathan's so pick. Strange. <laughs> um, I do like Dark City, though. I like Dark City also. I'm just saying, like, most people yeah, yeah, yeah. appreciate it very much. Um, yeah. And even I don't. It's not my favorite Alex Proyas film, so. Uh, but I That's don't knowing, know. probably. Yeah, definitely knowing. <laughs> or iRobot. <laughs> <laughs> the Crow. Get over it. <laughs> your favorite movie? The Crow. The Crow rules. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Just wanted to comment on the strange career of Ben Chaplin. Mm. Yeah. He's in Snowden. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who was he in that. Snowden, though? You know what I mean? It's like he's he was in the he Thin Red Line. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I read that, too. I was like, he's in the Thin Red Line? Who is he in this movie? I honestly <laughs> like, don't. Cinderella. He's so strange. Tarzan? He's, the Legend of Tarzan. This was a movie. I don't even remember. Yeah, the one with uh, Alexander Skarsgård as Tarzan. Yeah, we're way off topic, Jr. I'm oh. sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's all right. Um, like you know, it's, and especially since you guys didn't like it, I, I won't have too much I, I don't, else to say. I didn't say that. I liked it so far. Well, no, no. I, well, the, okay. Sorry, the two people that count because they finished the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I just I will say this and uh, feel free to argue with me because that would make for a better podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I I watch this and I honestly feel like Coppola is just totally in control Christ. of his tone. Coppola, even though what what is wrong with me? Coppola, Coppola, Coppola. What? Why can't know. I say the name? It's just some guy in the background. He <laughs> <laughs> gets credit. Sorry, uh, Francis. Francis. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Call him Ford. FFC. Double, double F. Um, I, I, I really feel like he's totally in control of the tone. I feel like uh, the performances in reality go together. They work together. Uh, we haven't mentioned a lot about Bruce Dern, 
he is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he but is. he just like, I he, like he him. fits, yeah. he fits into this world for me. Um, in the dreams, everyone is, I'll say overacting, but I think that works in the dreams, especially since I think everyone is doing it. Um, I, if I have a problem, it is Flamingo and what they do with Flamingo, which is nothing. Uh, they don't make it clear what Flamingo is. They don't make it clear why he's in both timelines or if he's actually in both timelines or if Val Kilmer is just dreaming in him into one timeline. I, we don't know. Um, and uh, you know what? At the end of the day, the uh, just the morgue itself made me laugh. So. Mm. I, don't, well, I, don't, I don't think this is supposed to be like that serious. I don't know. Like it, it, the, the, it, especially the end of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it, but like the very end, like, right. It, it's not to be taken too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, there's that, the, the smash cut to yeah. the office. Yeah. So that, that's going to like lighten my disdain for this movie. I think, <laughs> but, uh, well, I won't disagree with Jay. I think Coppola is a master of his craft. I mean, he's not like, I don't think anything he's doing is going to be, like you're not going to see mistakes in his movies that are like, you know, intentional in the direction. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, is you can, uh, I mean, I like Coppola a lot, but he's just, he's like Spielberg in that way that I, I don't like Spielberg very much, but I can't deny his like skill. Like he knows what he's doing and you're not going to see like, you know, obvious mistakes in direction from his films that often. And, uh, yeah, so I, I I agree. He's I'm sure he's in 100 percent control of the tone. I'm sure this is the exact movie he wanted to make. Uh, outside of maybe some like budgetary constrictions, I'm sure he would have preferred to shoot it shoot it differently, maybe and have more money. And... Kind of sucks too, because like I feel like it would be way better with more money. Oh yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Like this, this is like a good base. It's just weird to me that he, he you're. He, the man's won like seven Oscars. You, like he can't scrounge yeah, up money to make a movie. Really it's strange. so bizarre to me. Mm. Does it make sense? I mean, the idea yeah. for this movie is strange as fuck. So I mean, pitching this idea would be. I mean, I, I I agree with that, but it's like, you know, like like Spielberg's doing like Lincoln and shit. Like I mean, he mm. well Spielberg, <laughs> Spielberg. Speaking of Lincoln, I mean Spielberg claims that it was like insanely difficult for him to get the funding for Lincoln. Really? It took him like wow. 15 years or something, hmm. which Jeez. I don't know. I mean, it feels like Spielberg just snaps his fingers and there's, you know, three different studios who want to hand him carte blanche. But, hmm. um, I just feel like that should, that's the way it should be for Coppola. Coppola is the better filmmaker and, uh, <laughs> has proven it time. And again, the man made the Godfather and apocalypse now and the conversation. I usually like, like, I don't understand why Scorsese, uh, is it just a consistency thing? Maybe that Scorsese, because I feel like even in the eighties, Scorsese, like people don't like eight, uh, Scorsese's eighties movies as much as they like the rest of his shit. And Coppola kind of uh, went down a weird path in the eighties, uh, and then was just a hired gun essentially yeah. for some films. And it's just like it's weird to me that his their career path diverged so drastically. Uh, that now Coppola is just a non-entity, and Scorsese is still getting nominated for Oscars. Well, mm. cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, didn't Do it. Scorsese's movies start making money in the '90s again? Yeah, I mean, I guess like, like Goodfellas was a huge hit for him, right? And, yeah. and uh, Cape Fear and everything. But it's like, I don't. Yeah, I mean that. that I mean, yeah, that's it's probably ultimately a, an issue of box office, and that you know once. Uh, Coppola made Jack and everybody hated it, and it tanked the box office, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't recover from it. But I mean, 
It's just I, like you make like, a mistake, you just do another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the consistency yeah. thing with Scorsese is impeccable, though. I mean, I agree. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think the, the, the man hasn't War- made uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if he's made a truly bad movie. Before but, Wolf of Wall Street, I was like, okay, like, I mean, he's still great, but like, after watching that, like, it's, it's, it's still, undeniable. it's insane. That's like, great. That's <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, you could say that Scorsese hasn't left a general comfort zone. That's true, too. Where uh, maybe. Coppola, Coppola experiments. Had. That's absolutely true. Yeah, mm. and Coppola is clearly when he came back and did his his trilogy of films, starting with Youth Without Youth. I mean, it was well publicized that it, he he said in the interviews that it was uh, because of Sophia's. I don't know because of her success, but he was inspired by the fact that she's making movies and he wanted to do smaller, intimate films. And I think that that's admirable. I just wish he would have had uh, more support and more money to do it. Mm. And I, you know, one of my criteria for choosing this movie is I was, uh, I, I decided I was going to pick a movie from this decade. Um, mm. Just but barely. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's likely that Youth Without Youth might have been a better uh, conversation starter because it's, uh, it's prettier and it's, it's less like, like garish like this movie. But yeah. it, and it's also really good. I like it a lot. I, mm. I think two out of the three movies that uh, Coppola has made for, in this trilogy are really good, and I think Tetro is interesting. I, like, really I liked Tetro a lot too, but I, I, uh, I, I'm glad you picked Choice because it's the only other three I haven't seen, so I was happy with the pick. And it's still youth, the only of the three you haven't seen. I know. And Youth Without Youth is insanely <laughs> long also. So. Uh. Well, yeah. um do you guys have any uh, more? Th- sorry, the uh, the gentlemen who have seen this movie. Do you have any more thoughts you'd like to add? Uh, I don't think so. No. I'm, I'm good. Okay, yeah, l- yeah. I'm in the middle. This is my life now. I'm in the middle of three different movies right now. <laughs> yeah, you like that? What's, what's the? No, third? I hate it. Just watch one. Triple Frontier, which I stopped and haven't got back to because it's on Netflix. I can't watch it at school. Right, I'm going to sc- call that lowest priority. I'm at school, so I have Amazon Prime. You know, you know my cell phone. You know my story of uh, why I didn't finish Twix, but I'm on Amazon Prime. They just added Missouri Breaks. I've never seen it. I love Nicholson. It's the '70s Nicholson. It's got everybody fucking in it. Harry Dean Stanton's in it. Fucking Randy Quaid's in it. Obviously, Marlon Brando's in it. I mean, like, so I was like, I got to watch this thing. And I got halfway through it. And then, again, can't find the time to finish it because I got to watch Twixt today. Mm. So I'm in the middle of three fucking movies right now. And I'm not loving Missouri Breaks, I'll be honest. Ouch. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, you know, Harry Sand rules in it. Before we do ratings, let's just say uh, we didn't talk about the ending at all. And I know that that might not matter much because this movie has a... Uh, We'll call it a lack of narrative thrust. Not a lot of plot. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think the ending is interesting. And uh, if uh, if John watches this I will. before I'm our next episode, watch it. Um, I would love to talk about the ending because I, I do think it's interesting. And there are, are – I like I have questions. I've, I've seen this three times now, and I have questions about the a ending. A to-be-continued right. episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tune yeah. in next week for the exciting conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, right, I'll definitely so, uh, uh, finish it this weekend. So cool. So let's uh, let's hear some ratings. I'll I'll go last. I'm going one and a half. Oh fuck! Jeez, <laughs> oh, uh, that's, that's all right. That's all right. I'm not offended. I'm only I'm crying, but I'm not offended. I'm crying for a different reason. I'm just kidding. You're not crying. Your eyes are sweaty. 
I mean, uh, two and a half. Two and a half? I was at like cool. a one and a half, and then it ended, and it, uh, went, it went up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really, really like Thank the, end, God the, the ending, right. and I can't wait to discuss the ending. Okay. All right, cool. cool. Well, well, I will uh, finish it and give my rating next week. Uh, JR, well, gonna, what's your rating? Can I, can I oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> like, Can I fucking give my... Jeez. <laughs> sorry, bud. Uh, all right, so I'm going to take a half star off for featuring... Uh, an In-N-Out burger, which is the worst fast food I've ever had. Whoa. And uh, I'm going to give it a four Way and a half. to alienate our entire California fan base. Yeah, no Jeez. Did you just say four I would and a half? Love, <laughs> I would love for California people to email us so I can I'm tell them serious. exactly what is wrong with In-N-Out burger because what? I have a lot of thoughts. Well, just what give up on that. Score? Nobody's going to email us. It was four and a half, did but now say, it's four. Did you say four and a half? No, no. I said it's four and a half. After the In-N-Out, it's four and a half. It would be a five. It was in a other fucking words. No. five. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding about the in and out. No, it's a four and a half. Man, uh, it is I and, and I. It, it's maybe it's just like it's this emotional reaction thing. It's working on a lot of levels for me, in, in a way that that's it, it. Honestly, it's just indefensible because I can see all these problems. I can see, I can see how it's a mess, and I still just love it and. When I watched it on Wednesday, I was like, oh, this is great. And when I watched it this morning again, I was like, I have no, I have no problem doing this again. Twice in a I was week. so happy. You watched this movie <laughs> twice? Yeah, why not? You've got a sickness, like my friend. Yeah, I, I, mean, lo- well, I love certain same movies. Guy I would watch watched twice Solaris twice. I know. What a fucking nutcase. All those insane. movies. He watched every That's movie. Because, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Solaris was a real issue. Ah. Right? That, it's like, an existential threat. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought the cannon was crumbling down. Like, what is life? Anymore. All right. Well, uh, next week on the show, it is Kevin's pick. Yep. So, Kevin, for the love of God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what do you got for us, Kevin? We are going to watch Secretary, oh. starring Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. Sure. From 2002. Stephen Shaneberg. Stephen Shaneberg. Who's who wrote Traffic. Ah, cool. Prior to this. And directed another movie called Hit Me with uh, Elias Cotias, which I, I remember liking quite a bit, but I've never actually seen Secretary, so I love Elias. Yeah, I love he, Elias. Is he in also. Secretary? Yeah, he's great. Is he in Secretary? Uh I don't I don't remember him being in there. <laughs> actually, see if you really like Elias, uh seriously check out Hit Me, man. It's it's um it's also got uh Francis J. O'Connor. Francis J. O'Connor? Is it Francis? I know who the Harry guy. O'Connor? The, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The guy f- uh, who plays uh, Henry's brother in There Will Be Blood. Oh, right. The fake brother. Is it Francis? I think so. It's something J. O- Kevin J. O'Connor. That's, What's yeah, Francis? Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola. Kevin well, J. O'Connor. I think O'Connor. there's a Francis O'Connor who's an actress. Maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah Francis O'Connor. Yeah, I was a bitch. I was a, uh, I was a bitch. I was, I was a little bit of a bitch. I was, <laughs> I was very, I was very rude to her. You're thinking of Francis Fisher, right? Francis Fisher. Am I? Isn't that her name? The woman from Titanic who plays Kate Winslet's mother? No, no. Uh, I was, well, anyways, whoever that lady is. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell a story. I, I, I met her. I served her chicken once at Fresh Market, and I was very rude to her, and she, would, she was not having it. <laughs> oh, th- this was the mom from uh, Artificial Intelligence, Frances O'Connor. Oh, okay. I don't know. Have you, have you seen that? No. Oh, okay. Have you seen that, Jara? Artificial Intelligence? AI? AI? Yes. It's called AI. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Not, not, a real, not a big fan of AI. Uh, well, too bad because it's coming up next when John has <laughs> <laughs> a deep dive pick. 
Uh, oh, just kidding. Uh, so can next, we, can we get back to Secretary? Oh yeah, uh-huh. go ahead. I was just about to say next time we're going to be watching Secretary. Yes. With Maggie G. I'm excited G. about this. Uh, what year was this? 2002. 2002. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Maggie G. and James Spader in his last uh, his last role, really. Um, <laughs> Unless you count the blacklist. Avengers Ultron. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot he's in that. Uh, Which is funny because of. Age of Ultron is basically Marvel's version of uh, Secretary. No, um, less <laughs> less less than zero. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to be our pick for next week. Uh, as always, you can visit our website and our blog at filmyak.podient p o d i a n t dot c o. Uh, write to us at filmyakpodcast dot com, filmyakpodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, you know just email us now i know what he will but i have to put it out there right right i have to ask even though it's getting like sad yeah california french new wave fans yeah let us hear from you guys the french new wave is trash and in and out burger blows email us tell yeah. us why we're wrong yeah <laughs> I, I am sorry about my new wave rant <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anyway that's gonna be it until next time see you guys later bye Whoa, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees near the soda water fountain at the lemonade spring.